So we've come to the end of our series, The Parables of Jesus. And uh, just as a reminder, a refresher, a review, um, what is a parable? Parable is one of the ways that Jesus taught. One of the ways that Jesus taught his disciples uh, about what it means to live in the kingdom, what kingdom living looks like, how to be followers of him. And a parable is a short story. It's in a narrative form. Um, it's got images. It's got everyday uh, images told in story fashion to be able to relate to the common person who is listening to Jesus, to relate their common everyday life with the things of the kingdom. And so more than just being a rule book or more than being an ethical manifesto, parables gave uh, kind of a flavor or, or an echo of what living in the kingdom was supposed to be like, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so Jesus would tell a story, a parable, and the listener um, had the opportunity to open his or her heart and step into that story and be like, oh, this is the way that I ought to live. This is the way, uh, the way of Jesus, the way of love. This is the kingdom way. And so... Uh, we've been in the parables of Jesus, and it's been great because I think Jesus is wanting us to follow him. Jesus is wa- inviting us to step onto the train or step onto the way, uh, the way of love, the way of the kingdom. And he's calling our church uh, to consider what it means to follow him. I, I like to relook at the parables before I preach them. Uh, because we've we studied them. If you've been in any Bible studies, if you've gone to church, uh, some of you know the parables by heart. You say, oh, you, you, someone reads a parable and you say, oh, that's about this. The moral of the story is this. Or that's about that, right? Yes, 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 yes. You know, turn the other cheek, whatever. And we've got it. We've got it, right? And that's what being a Christian is, right? You've got everything. You've got it in your head. You've accomplished faith. Right? You've got it. You earned your faith degree. You've got your merit certificate. Boom. Checklist. Boom, boom, boom. You know it. We don't even have to be here. I don't even have to speak. Um, but I think there's more to a parable. It's like a seed that's constantly blossoming and unfolding. A seed is very small. right? It's minuscule, but it contains the information, the blueprint for the greater plant that comes later. And so though it's small, it has the information uh, that we need to grow into something larger. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the mustard seed, right? It's small, but it grows into something much greater. But my question today for you is, do you want a cookie? Do you want a cookie? Have you heard that phrase before? Do you want a cookie? Right? Isaiah will come up to me and say, Dad, I jumped 20 times. Woohoo! And he's so excited and he wants me to be like, That's great, Isaiah. I'm, I'm so proud of you. But instead, what I'm feeling inside is, Do you want a cookie? Who cares? You want a pat on the back? Right? Do you want a cookie when someone wants attention or credit, right, for doing something that's default? They should have done it anyways, or no one cares if they did it. You just want credit, and you know they just want credit. You say, do you want a cookie? Shall I give you a trophy right now? 
right? Do you want a certificate? I'll sign it right here and give it to you. Thanks very much. And um, I'm like this. I like to get credit for things. So at home, Janice's love language is gifts of service, right? And so I'll do all the dishes, you know, and I think I'm working hard doing the dishes. So right when she gets back, you know, I could say, I can kind of go like, <laughs> you know, but I can't say it. That's too like, you know, that's reaching if you actually say, did you see that they did the dishes? You just want her to like comment on it and remark on it. Doesn't it smell clean in here? Right? Isn't it? You notice anything different? And Janice will be like, great, you, you want a cookie? Right? You wash the dishes. That's default. That's life. Right? There's dishes every day. For every seven times I wash the dishes, you wash it one time, and you want me to pat you on the back. Woo! Good job, Dave. Good job. I'm like, I served you. We all want to be heroes. We want to be recognized. We want a trinket for our efforts. I had a quiet time. Oh, it was such a good, yeah. quiet time. <laughs> Great, I took a Sabbath. It was the best Sabbath in the world. And I journaled like five pages. It was awesome journaling. Such a great time with God and Jesus, my lover. <laughs> we want to be recognized. And we want a trinket for our efforts. We want mommy to know we know that we, we got it. We already know what to do. She doesn't have to tell us. We can be good without anyone telling us or teaching us. I got it. I got it. Which brings us uh, to our parable. And the disciples have a demand of Jesus. In verse 5, Luke 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Would any of you say to your servant who had just come in from the field after plowing or tending sheep, come, sit down for dinner? Wouldn't you say instead, fix my dinner, put on the clothes of a table servant, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you can eat and, eat and drink. You won't thank the servant because the servant did what you asked, will you? In the same way, when you have done everything required of you, you should say, we servants deserve no special praise. We have only done our duty. And what Jesus is saying is, do you want a cookie? Right? That's what the parable is saying. Do you want a cookie? Right? Do you want a cookie for doing what you're already supposed to be doing? Do you want a cookie for what's already expected? Do you get, you get what I'm saying? Do you want a cookie? Right? And when the, when the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith, it's in the, it's in the imperative, the aorist imperative if you're a nerd, uh, which is actually saying you want something in its entirety now. Right? As opposed to later as an ongoing process. Lord, increase our faith. Give us all, like, the complete package of faith now. And so the first problem with that is, it's like if you're a gamer and you go around farming because you want to upgrade your character. You want to upgrade his endurance, his agility, his strength, right? His, his speed, dexterity, right? His magical potions. 
you want to increase all of those, right? So you farm and you play longer and longer until you upgrade and upgrade and upgrade until you're at the max upgrade. You're the strongest person. That's Janice, right? She's the strongest priestess, the healer in the game, the strongest, right? There's a problem with that. It's saying that faith is quantifiable, right? It's like an upgrade. And you see down the road that eventually you can have, you can reach, right, the nirvana of faith, the mountaintop of faith. Oh, right, on 50 plus max faith. And so the disciples are like, give us all faith now. <laughs> the disciples are seeing what Jesus has been doing, miracles and healings and casting out demons, and they're like, we want some of that. We want to be able to do that. Give us, increase our faith now. And Jesus flips the script on them by saying, instead of making this, their notion and their image of faith being this grandiose, heroic thing, like all of it, he's saying, you know what? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say, move to this tree and it wouldn't moivete, right? It wouldn't move. It would up, it'd be uprooted and planted in the sea. And the disciples are like, what, what, what? Because the thoughts are in the clouds. They have grand notions. They want like the holy grail of faith. Just put, they want some sort of like God, Jesus to conjure up a fireball and just put it in their chest. And all of a sudden, they'd be like, right? increase our faith now. And he's like, even if you had the smallest bit of faith, you could do so much. Do you want a cookie? Right? Do you want a cookie? Because no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you fall short of perfection. Right? You're, you're only doing what God expects you to do. All right, I'm going I'm to turn this, folks. You guys remember, uh, Sarah just read a scripture from Matt, the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5. Uh, the whole passage about, if they ask you to walk an extra mile, or walk a mile, walk two. Walk the extra mile. Right? If someone strikes you on your cheek, turn the other cheek. I say to you, Scripture says it's written that you should love your neighbor. But I say to you, love your, love your enemy as well and pray for them. So basically on the Sermon on the Mount, it's considered Jesus' great, greatest like teachings, ethical teachings about how people should act or live in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and he basically takes Scripture or the Old Testament in this section and says, You've heard it say, eye for an eye, you know, what is it, ear for ear? Tooth for tooth. Oh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I say to you, someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. He takes something from the Old Testament and says, no, it's so much more, right? Actually, love your neighbor? No. My standard is higher. My standard is you should love your enemy and pray for them. Walk the extra mile? Walk the mile? No. Walk the extra mile. 
And actually, this, this image or this illusion comes from uh, Roman soldiers were allowed to do impressment, uh, impressment on Jewish, a Jewish citizen, meaning it, they could go to any Jewish person and say, here's my pack, my armor, my sword, my shield, carry it for a mile. Right? And the idea uh, behind this was if you walk the extra mile, right, you were saving someone else from having to do that obligation of walking another mile. Right? And what, what's interesting is that Jesus isn't just setting up another ethical system. Right? Jesus is not just setting up another set of rules so that we can say, Hey, Jesus said walk two miles. So all I have to do is walk two miles and I'm okay, right? What would Jesus say? Do you want a cookie? <laughs> do you want a cookie? Peter Rollins says, Jesus is saying you need to walk three miles. You need to walk four miles. You need to walk five miles, six miles. It's not the actual detail, right? The specific detail. Do this and you'll be okay. It's... Go be above and beyond the call of duty because that's the way of love, right? And then at the end of that section in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says what? Be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. And you're like, no one can be perfect. What? God, Jesus is actually saying, I thought this was about grace. He's saying be even more perfect. Be perfect like our heavenly Father is perfect. Do everything if my eye causes me to sin, I'm actually supposed to gouge it up, right? To perfectly follow all law. Actually, the common English Bible version says, be whole as our Heavenly Father is whole. Right? And sometimes in our thinking, when we think about perfection, we think about no mistakes, right? Get, you know, full tank to the fullest. There's no space. Get everything, 100%. 25 out of 25. Perfect score. Right? And that's how we think. But if you think about the word whole, right? It's really different. Right? Be complete. Be whole. And I think what, uh, what Jesus is talking about or getting at is to follow the law of love. Right. Um, I'm going to quote uh, Peter Rollins here. He says, <clears throat> The radical way of Jesus provides a much more difficult challenge than that which is demanded by the law. For while the law gives us a bottom line way to live, the way of love calls us beyond the law. Love pushes us beyond duty. Rather than stopping there, and act, rather than stopping there, and acts when we don't know for sure what the ethical thing to do is. If the ethical question is, what must be done? Love adds, I will do more. If our ethical compass is not able to give us a clear direction to travel, love sets out anyway. The, the way of love provides a way when the ethical demands have had their say or do not know what to say. Is this not what Jesus was calling us to? To live beyond the law so as to fulfill it.
That's what it means to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. It's to be whole that we're not led by a set of rules. We're not driven right, by some moral compass. Right? Because there are some situations, there are no rules. There's no guidebook to tell us, oh, this is what you're supposed to do in this situation. Right? And isn't this what happens? Right? And Luke, the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus. What must I do to be saved? Right? Jesus says, follow all the commandments. And, and the man's like, I've done them all since my youth. I'm perfect. Right? And then Jesus said, well, sell everything you have and follow me. And the guy goes away sad. Uh, still another group of people come to Jesus and say, how many times are we supposed to forgive someone? Right? If someone hits me, I can forgive him once. What if he hits me again? Oh, maybe I'll forgive him again. He hits me again. Right? How many times? 20 times? Right? They're looking for a number. What's the max? Right? What's the, what's the limit? Right? of my faith, of how we should forgive. They're wanting that answer. They're wanting a blueprint of what I'm supposed to do in this hypothetical situation right here. And what does Jesus say? He says, I tell you, you're supposed to forgive 70 times seven. And so the smart Alec, who's a math major, is like, oh, so I just have to forgive someone 490 times? Right? <laughs> no, right? That's not what Jesus is talking about. Right? He's saying, do you want a cookie? Right? The way of love is, what does love demand of you in that moment? Right? What is the Spirit speaking into your heart in that moment? When I go and someone asks me for money, a homeless person asks me for money or for food, right? what system do I use to figure out whether I should give them money or not? Do I do every even person? I skip the odd person. This person asks, every other person I'll give. Do I give if there's money in my wallet, right there in my chain or in my console? If I have change, I'll, I'll give it. Or do I say, oh, I never give because I want to be fair to everyone. Or I don't know where their money is going to be spent, so I shouldn't give it to them because they could spend it on alcohol and all kinds of weird things. We have all kinds of, like, situations and we want a blueprint for how should Christians behave or act in this situation, right? You know what Jesus would say? Anytime anyone asks of you, give to them, right? Be perfect because my heavenly father is perfect. And that's his point, right? His point is, right? Your servant did their work, you know, great. They're supposed to. That's their duty. But this isn't supposed to make us feel, like, hopeless or ashamed. Like, oh, I can, I can never live up to God. God is a stern father, right? He wants A's on all my report cards, right? He wants me to do the best and get into the best school and dress the best, 
and be the best clarinet player and violinist. Right? For those of you who applied to colleges, SATs don't matter anymore, right? It's SAT and you play sports and you're saving the world and you're, you can play violin, piano, guitar, right? It's not a report card, right? It's not some sort of upgrade, right? Give us all faith, the faith, right? The faith upgrade right now. Oh, I'm shining, I'm the best. You just had faith like a mustard seed. Jesus is saying, don't follow an ethical pattern, right? His te- Jesus' teachings do more than offer an ethical way to live. You guys know what ethics is, right? In this situation or this situation, what's the good thing and right thing to do? Jesus' teachings offer more than an ethical way to live. The way of the kingdom is the way of love. This means we are called to walk three miles, not simply make a new rule about walking two miles, right? Or don't make a new rule about walking three miles because those other people made a rule about walking two miles, right? But walk four miles. Whatever rule you make, it's going to be another mile, people. That's the point. <laughs> That's what he means by this, this, this parable. He's like, do you want a cookie? <clears throat> Rather... To increase your faith, live the life of love and let love stretch your heart, right? So someone asked me for money or for food on the street corner and I don't do it because I'm in a bad mood, I'm in a rush, the signal light turned green, I got to get out of there, right? I didn't do it perfectly. Well, wrestle with that, right? Let, let love stretch your heart. Let, love, let that conflict change who you are. That's, that's the law of love, right? It's not, I did this. Catherine and I were joking earlier because um, she sits in the same chair every Sunday. And I was saying in college, I was the annoying one who never knew who, that people sat in their own chairs. And so I'd always sit in a different place and people would be annoyed at me. I was like, why are they annoyed, right? And then when I figured it out, I was like, oh. So I kept doing it. (laughs) Because then it was like, awesome, right? Mess with people's worlds. Um, We want our chairs, right? We want the seating arrangement. And this is not to put you on the spot, Kevin. (laughs) We want our seating arrangements, right? And it makes us feel comfortable, and it makes us feel safe, and it's good. And I'm not throwing all structure and all order out, because when God created the world, this is very structured and very ordered. It's all about bounds and boundaries, right? But I think we can serve to live in a more improvisational way. So Samuel Wells has a book called, a theology book called Improvisation, it's about Christian ethics. And he compares how Christians should live with improv actors, right? Have you guys been to uh, theater sports or something like that? People will throw out, like, throw out uh, occupation, throw out uh, place, throw out a murder weapon. You guys have played that, right? Chain murder. So they say, oh, occupation, astronaut. Oh, place, um, the equator, 
murder weapon, iPhone, right? And then, you know, they, you do charades, right? And you're trying to explain what those three things are to the next person without using words. And then that person, the other people outside of the room come in, try to explain it to them. But anyways, how, how do you play theater sports, right? Can, I, can people use a script and succeed in improvisation? The whole point is that there's no script, right? And without a script, what do you rely on? What do you do, right? You rely on creativity, spontaneity, right? You, re- you rely on being able to speak on your feet, And that's what makes comedy, that's what makes entertainment is our spontaneous response to the situation and to to other people. Other people give us, offer us something, an image, a sentence, and we respond to that and we give another offer, right? It's relational. And his point is, in, in other forms of ethics where we're following rules, you don't have to respond to the other person to create art, right? To create the situation. You're just going, Catherine says something to me, what do I do about this? I turn away from her. Hold on a second. Section 3.147, blah, 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 blah. You're like, were you, were you listening to me? I didn't even, that's not what I was asking, right? But improvisation forces us to receive the world, take it in, and to offer back. And that's what makes improvisation improvisation. So his point is, how do we become good Christians? How we become good Christians is that we understand and know Jesus at the core. We have a deep relationship with Jesus. And because we know and love Jesus, and we become more and more whole people every day, when situation arises, we respond as Jesus would respond, right? We have the heart of God in us. We have the heart of Jesus in us. So when someone slaps me, right, I would turn the other cheek, right? Are you guys with me? You guys get it? It's more than piecemeal. Following Jesus is more than piecemeal. You can't, it's not like interchangeable parts, like the Model T, you're in an assembly line, and you just go, you put parts together, and there you have a car, right? You can't do it in pieces. You have to be whole, right? You have to take it in as a whole. Just like you can't read scripture in piecemeal. You can't take parts out here and say, see? (laughs) See? You have to take it whole. You have to take it perfectly. Um, Jesus did not love us in pieces. Jesus did not break out his love manual in a given situation saying, now what do I do? Jesus didn't do a cost-benefit analysis on his way to the cross. (laughs) He loved with wild abandon. He lavished love on his people. He jumped often without calculation, without wanting a cookie, without a thought of reward or accomplishment, 
unreserved, unrestrained. His love was wild. His love was wild for you. He didn't give his heart in pieces. He did not hide his face from us. He didn't have to think to love us. It was uncontrolled, uncontained. A fire burning bright. A flame. So all the world would know that we are his children. And so he turns and says, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Go and love unreserved, unrestrained, with wild abandon. Don't give your heart in pieces. Give it all. Be whole as my father is whole. Give wholly and fully. Don't think about it. Just go, go, go. When we think about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is this Thursday, you know, what do we get, ex- I get excited for is football, turkey, and family, right? That's what Thanksgiving means to me. That's what giving thanks is. Or Christmas, the holidays, we think about, oh, food, football, <laughs> and family, <laughs> right? And getting presents and giving presents, right? And family, family, right? The holidays are for family. Is creating space for ourselves. But really, right, the holidays are for Jesus, right? So what would it mean to give, our, give holy, right, give fully unrestrained, right, not halfway? It would actually mean we should give gifts to strangers, right? We should give gifts, we should give more to people. We should not go into ourselves, into our homes and families, but we should go out right, to give more with wild abandon. This is what it means to have faith the size of a mustard seed. It's like whatever it is that's going to stretch you, that's what it is. That's where you need to be right now. Whatever act of love is going to stretch you, that's where you need to be. You don't need to be asking me, can I get level 50 love, level 50 faith? Just be where you need to be and respond in love. That's the point, right? Um, The church or our country, right? We have refugees knocking on our doors, for instance. And this is a complicated issue, right? People worry about security, People worry about vetting, you know, our refugees. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, welcome the stranger, right, among you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Love, love, love. Right? That's, that is stretching our country. I think the heart of our country is being stretched, right? And it's like, oh, we need to be safe. No, we need to love. We need to be safe. We need to love. We need to be safe. We need to love. We need to be safe. We need to love. Safe. Love. And that's our, right? That's our families too, right? I need to take care of my family. No, I need to love. No, I need to take care of my family. No, I need to love. My children need to be safe. No, I need to love. Safe. Love. Safe. Love. Wherever your heart is going to be stretched by the way of love, 
that's where you need to be and to wrestle with Jesus, right? It's not a rule. It's not saying, so then you must hang out with homeless people on Christmas, right? It's be stretched. Allow yourself to be stretched by the way of love. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the ways that you're speaking to us, to our community, and help us to... uh, to seek to love as you love, to embody um, your heart for the world within our own hearts. And where we fall short, let us not ask, God, give us all the faith now, but say, God, be gracious to us and teach us what to do next. In your name, amen.